0: Awesome. I mean, there's really cool stuff. And as we go, if you have questions, ask them. All right. Uh, that, that, that's that's why I decided to do this. That's why that's why that's why I'm here. Uh, I, I know that's why Neil's here. Uh, if you have questions, ask away. We can go. We can go anywhere with this. I got all the time. We, when you guys leave, I'm staying. So uh, I'm not on a time crunch here. So you know, when you have, if you have questions, ask. Okay. Uh, so. Well, we got the uh, we got the the uh, PowerPoint up here, and, and, and I always start it. How many? How many? Just raise your hand if you have uh, zero PRI experience. Amazing, amazing. Uh, so uh, the the PRI comes down, and we all know this now. Uh, it's the zone of apposition, and it's the, a, 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 the asymmetrical diaphragm, right? So it all comes back to the ZOA, and the ZOA is let me you know. This is the six week doing it, and I always do it. I should always I should bring it up, right? Uh, but this is the ZOA here, okay? Uh, and we have the the uh, suboptimal way on, on the far right, and then the optimal ZOA right here in the middle. And as you can see, the the optimal ZOA has a, a, a much better dome to this diaphragm, and uh, this one has a much worse uh, dome of the diaphragm. And essentially, everything that you do in PRI is going to be coming back to that middle picture. We are trying to restore that middle picture. Uh, and and the other thing to to, point, uh, to take note of here is that uh, the hip the the pelvis on the optimal ZOA. I, I, was, I was oh okay. I was going to say I was like I never know why they. Have on the left. It seems like the same thing, but sorry. Uh, (laughs) uh, So if if you uh, look at the pelvis on the middle picture and the pelvis on the far right picture, the pelvis on the far right picture is a little more anteriorly tipped uh, and this leads to an extended spine, uh, ribs that are uh, hyperinflated. Uh, When when we breathe in, when when we're sucking air in, we're trying to get into that suboptimal ZOA situation, right? When we breathe air out, we're trying to bring it into the optimal ZOA situation. The problem is, is when, uh, uh, specifically, uh, in the left AIC pattern, which is the prime, does everybody have a, at least some understanding of what the left AIC pattern is? I
1: feel like an airline. Yeah. <laughs> so on the left side, I can turn it around also, the left side, forward, and the external Forward, next, and you notice it points to everything. So if I come forward with the left, the sacrum, And left ilium go orient. Actually, the whole thing orients to the right. Right. So
0: it's flexed. Exactly. Exactly. So what you'll end up having is you'll have on the left side, you'll have the suboptimal ZOA, uh, which would be like swing phase of gait, right? And then optimal ZOA would be on the right side. You're in a state of exhalation on the right. The ribs are down. You're in a state of inhalation on the left. The ribs are up. No problems there. That's phenomenal. We want to be there. We're standing on our right leg. We like to do that. Uh, the problem is, we like to do it a little too much. So, uh, it, what happens is when we try to shift back over to the left side, we're so stuck in that left ASC pattern. We're so stuck on that right leg that we don't have the ability to shift it back over onto the left leg. We end up still in some variation of this, and we've kind of manufactured our ability to get onto the left side. So, if you're on your right foot, you're in right stance. And that's how the pelvis should be, not an issue.
1: The issue occurs if you go to the left foot. Right. And you're still in rightward pelvic orientation instead of that. That's as simple as it is. Exactly. You you should go from here to here. It should alternate, but we don't. When you're when you're patterned, you stay on the right side, even when you're on the left side. Does that make sense? If you don't get to this pelvic position with opposite rib page, directional rib page, you're not really on your left leg. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Okay.
0: So, and all of that essentially uh, stems from the asymmetrical diaphragm. And, and there's a lot of asymmetries that are going to play a role here, uh, but we're, we're just going to stick to the, the, the contents of your, your thorax, which is your, your visceral organs, uh, specifically your liver, being on the right side, not being on your left side, right? So it sits higher on the, on the right side than it does on the left, and because of that, shortens the fibers much easier, uh, in a much easier state to contract than it is on the left side. So w- when it's, it sits up a little higher... It's, I believe the attachment's thicker on the right side. Uh, it, it's just it's just a much easier. So every time that you yeah it's just a bigger it's just a bigger uh, dome on the on the right side. So as we as we breathe, approximately twenty thousand times a day, uh, we always just take this little twist to the right, right, and just over time. I'm thirty one years old. Map it out. Twenty thousand times three sixty five times thirty one. Actually, I'm very intrigued on how much that, that is. <laughs> that's a lot of breaths. <laughs> that's a lot of breaths, but that's a lot of twisting to the right. So we, we, we have this constant struggle we're constant uphill battle of us trying to shift it back over to the left and just balance that out. Uh, and, and so that, that's really what we're looking at here. And, and as a result of that, by that twist over here, you get that state of exhalation on the right, the, the optimal ZOA. Pelvis is in a nice, I don't even want to say that, a pelvis is in a uh, more of a posteriorly rotated state and the ribs are down. So those are the right
1: ribs, internally rotated ribs on the right, so everything is here. Yep. But that would also, oh, I'm not gonna get that. Internal rotation on the right, external rotation on the left. Yep. So you have rib flare on the left, while the ribs on the right side are in a state of exhalation. Uh, overly stable, because it's stabilizing your right side, so your left leg can go through the air and step. So you're just stuck in this overactivity of the right side. Creating stabilization and never relaxing because he never fully gets to the left. Yep. Never, never lets go. And
0: and uh, and on the left side, ribs are up, pelvis is anteriorly tipped, etc. Uh, But we'll we'll stay there for right now and and we're in a state of inhalation. That's what that's where the air wants to go So uh, and we just become biased. We've strengthened that pattern so much You know when we lay down we're not necessarily laying down in a neutral pattern Uh, There's a lot of things that that we'll see uh, as you travel through the uh, PRI world that you'll notice that uh, we do we lay down in a left I C pattern or a now you lay down in a left ASC pattern. Uh, you will uh, just always be biasing yourself to that to that side because that's where you're strongest. That's where it's most comfortable to to breathe and and just live your life. Uh, you know, I've recently started noticing that when I go to sleep, I'm most comfortable. This is this this is the, just the worst part about knowing PRI. It's just like uh, the constant analysis of yourself. Oh, yeah. Like I'm trying to go to sleep and I'm like, and my head is like tilted to the left, is and I'm just up? like,
1: is my airway open?
0: Damn it! <laughs> like. Oh my, and I'm trying to go to sleep and I'm trying to correct that. And then you like move it back and you're just you like, This isn't comfortable. And then you're like, but yeah. you gotta deal with it. Then you're just like, Sean, you're comfortable. You feel good, man. Relaxed.
2: Just go to sleep, man.
0: And and then once 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 that uh once that box is open, forget it. Uh but uh so I have no idea where I was going with that, but uh, but anyway, th- th- that's what it all comes down to. It all comes down to the fact that we bias ourselves onto that right side, and we're having a really hard time getting to the left. So, uh, theoretically speaking, and when we're when we're doing corrective exercises, when we're doing uh, training, you know, I think PRI people get a little too uh, focused on the fact that you know, like we got to be in these corrective areas and stuff, but these clinical style exercises, but. You know, training should have the exact same bias. If you're training somebody in the gym, you're just understanding that this exists, right? And then you're biasing your program, like you you going into your you sit in front of the computer to make this program, and you have you are now you have a biased opinion of how you're going to program this exor- these exercises, because you're understanding that this person in front of you has a liver on the right side of their body. I think it's a fair assumption. I guess it doesn't always exist. There is situations where uh, what they call it in situ inversus. Not positive on the name of that, but that is when the organs are flipped. So I guess that might be a question to add to the intake: where your liver at? Right? Uh, You know, I think that might be that might be something that maybe needs to be asked. I've never asked that. I've always just assumed that it's 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 in the it's on the right side, but it is possible to be on the other side. But uh, but when you're sitting down a program, this is what's in your head. This is what's in my head. Whenever I create a programs uh, for for the athletes that I've worked with, that's what I'm looking at. Like I'm understanding that that this is what's existing in their body, and I need to I need to create opposition to that pattern. And I think uh, the other thing that I think is really we all are we all uh, a couple PTs, uh, all trainers at some level dealing with. Like like a strength and conditioning program. Everybody, uh, are you doing that at all? Of course. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, even PT is just a is just a different level of strength and conditioning. It's all the same, right? Uh, but when you get these guys in the gym who like who want to just get in, get yoked, or you know, anybody's, you know, look. It was 55 degrees the other day. All right, people starting to sniff the beach bodies. So uh, it's it's about it's about time to get it's that it's about time to get that fired up, right? I was in there? You know, yeah. Of course. Still I still am. Geez, <laughs> so you kidding me? I
1: joined Red <laughs> Row a couple weeks ago. Um, in
0: the, yeah. So so day. so you know that's these people who are generating a lot of tone, right? And if they're generating a lot of a quad tone because they do whatever the heck they do in the gym, like that's okay. I get that. But understand that now uh, a 90 90 a 90 90 is an unbelievable exercise but what's that going to do for shaquille o'neal right how much how much how much tone how much opposition tone do you need for his uh, anterior chain to produce onto his posterior chain to, to produce a, uh, an a, a adequate amount of opposition to get him into a good position you're going to need you're going to need a pretty good amount right uh, i think uh, the the i think pri really does operate in the Optimal world, you know, they, in a perfect okay. world setting, uh, they, that that's that's you know, I think ideally, if you're trying to get somebody neutral, you're gonna you're not gonna work with an athlete. You're gonna work with some. You, you might have to tell the athlete, like, dude, you got to stop playing your sport because I'm, I'm gonna try to get you neutral. You got to stop dancing on Broadway, right? It's not realistic, and that's where you have to just use your understanding of PRI, the situation, and uh, and just play the cards that you're dealt, like like. When I worked in the NBA, this this was this was the routine. This is this is a real this is a real a real road trip that we had. Practice in LA, okay, uh, whatever the heck that in- entailed. Uh, we get on the plane. We immediately flew to New Orleans. After uh, the next night, we played against the Pelicans in New Orleans. After the game, we got on the plane and we flew to Chicago. We played the next night in Chicago. After the game, we flew immediately to Toronto. We had a day off in Toronto. The following day, we played against the Raptors in Toronto. After the game, we flew to Memphis. We played the next night in Memphis, and then after the game, we flew all the way back to L.A., right? How am I getting anybody on that team neutral uh, under that circumstance? Like, I I think I spent more time on the airplane than I did in my home uh, during that time, just because we're... It's the way the life is, and and it's just a matter of understanding that neutrality isn't all that realistic in that world, because uh, the neurological implications of that sleep deprivation. These guys eat nothing but uh, Doritos, and you put salads out for them, and they're just going to order their own cheeseburgers. You know, uh, and and like that's that's the world that they're living in, and I just need to do the best that I can with that situation. So, uh, you know, that, that's, that's ultimately when it comes to training, like it's just understanding these principles. So understanding that this asymmetrical diaphragm, this asymmetrical body exists, there's these patterns that are falling off, but we've strengthened these patterns and now we just need to create the opposition for that. And then it's just who, who you got in front of you, right? Questions there. Just
2: curious on the, um, are guys looking for treatment before a game or are they just like we had a game last night? I'm resting until I'm playing tonight.
0: Well, I mean, it depends. You know, I think, I think uh, yeah, there's, there's all, sorts, all sorts of different guys, right? You got the guys who are, who are always hurt, ugh, you know, ugh, I feel so bad, you know, and go out and drop 40. Uh, then you got the guys who are never hurt. Under no circumstance am I going to be injured. And that's, you know, that's that. So it really just depends on the guy, I think. Uh, and, and the other thing to consider from my perspective was that I was the strength and conditioning coach. Now, granted, I, have, I had a, a huge PRI background licensed massage therapist, right? So I have a, uh, you know, a, a rehabilitation background. They didn't want to see me ever for, for rehab or anything that bothered them. I remember doing, I remember getting in on some guy in the weight room. One of our guys had a his shoulder problem. something. I was about to just flip in and do some ART real quick. Right. And he was like, no, no, like I'll go, I'll go to the training room for that, which was, you know, I get it. When, you know, when I worked with Dimebacks it was the complete opposite. And so interchangeable, true teamwork, could have been either or, it, like that's, that was the, that was the, uh, uh the, what's, what's, what's the word I'm looking for, like the, the model that they set up, like that's just, uh, what the hell is the word I'm thinking of, System? no, okay. culture,
2: yes, <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what Gosh. they did cover that in my journalism background culture like <laughs> <10,000. laughs> oh god uh, so, so, so they did uh, th- that was the culture they set up but with, with those guys like I was like I was not a rehab guy you know and, and you know so like I you know so like for me it was just purely strength and conditioning purely fitness and like if I was gonna if somebody was gonna come in for uh, you know if they had knee pain like you, I, mean, I mean, it's like it like we're talking like like playing tricks, you know, getting guys to do stuff without them knowing they're doing it, and uh, and like I did. That's that, that's the name of the game, pro sports. anybody ever works with pro athletes? I mean, that's the name of the game. I mean, that's just just see if you can sneak it in. It's it's a, it's a fun game to play, uh, but it, high stakes, high stakes. Um, but so that's the. Did, was there another question somewhere up here? Yeah, going back to the topic of geriatrics. Uh, what's your experience with? PRI, the older population,
1: do you feel like you're ever going to get the neutral, you know, they've had this tone problem for years and years and years and years, are you expecting them to get a, you know, their right arm to internally rotate and all that stuff?
0: I think you have to consider the fact that, that that's a, that that's definitely a possibility. I was, I was at an event yesterday and I I saw an an older lady and she had, you know, extreme thoracic kyphosis, right? I was actually talking to my dad and he was just like, he's like... So proud of his son. He said, "You got that right." And I was like, "And I was like, oh, man, I don't, I don't know. Like, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of time spent under 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 that 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 tension uh, from a neurological perspective. So, like, every time like we're in these uh, these patterns, right? Uh, we're producing these uh, neocortical associations in our brain that are just and over time it just it just builds and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and, stronger and, and you know, under that, under that microscope, you're saying, you're going to have to spend an adequate amount of time to oppose that current, because you can't erase a memory in the brain. You can only create a stronger connection. So, uh, you have to spend a, an adequate amount of time to produce the opposition to that, to that. And then, we're, then you want to talk about uh, the soft tissue fibers that have, that have formed over top of it, you know, reinforcing that, that pattern. Uh, I mean, I'm not super well-versed in what would happen from a bony standpoint, but there, but I would imagine there's some there's some something that happens in that situation uh, so I think, I think uh, for the geriatric population I, I, don't, I, I would, off the top of my head I, I've worked very little uh, but I would say that it would, it would definitely be something where neutrality is, um, uh, is further away right? Maybe, maybe a less likely scenario anybody else have experience there?
1: I've no? only had a couple of experiences with like, older than 65 one of them is my aunt and I think you have more of a lifetime of injury and insult, whether it's physical, purely physical, psychological, a lot of different things. I remember if they're growing up in the 50s, like my aunt did, they used to just tear teeth out left and right, sure. like whatever. So she had teeth pulled, and I know because I did have a ton of depressor between the teeth trick and she got this range of motion, took it out, let her teeth touch, neck didn't move. Mm-hmm. So those teeth are not changing at this point. But she would constantly get pain sitting. I tell the story; it's really just illustrative. Uh, she would get, she gets a lot of neck pain because she has her own business with her husband. They have a small business, which is very stressful, and she's on the computer a lot, and she's constantly complaining about neck pain. So obviously she's ungrounded because she's always sitting, and sitting just kills the body, in my estimation. Uh, and so what I did, and I said, like, Diane, I don't know if it's going to work, but you can try this because I've had other people just. Start to feel too much, stand up, get on your left leg, okay. so remember, remember what we can't do, we're stuck like, we're essentially, in just the frontal plane at least, we're, we're stuck like this, we're on our right side, she's getting too right-sided from her life and sitting too much and just having these teeth that are causing overactivity of the neck, so I said, then just do this, put your left foot slightly behind you. This is her skeleton. Bring the left hand down. Feel your left heel. Now you're in left stance. Pain goes away. Her neck hurts because she's so right side, the neck can't turn off. Put her on to the other side, that neck finally relaxes. It's not going to stay because her teeth still touch, but at least it lasts for long enough that she feels relief. And she came back on Thanksgiving. She's like, Neil, I do that. You know, Whenever I'm in pain, I do that thing you told me to do. And I had completely forgotten that what I had told her to do. And I was like, what did I tell you to do? Because I definitely wasn't an exercise. And I just, I just stand my left side. And she feels it. So I just put her in left stance. I make sure that her left knee is slightly slightly bent, unlocked. She's feeling her left heel. She brings her left hand lower. She's in left stance, and she just breathes. It, it enables the right side, at least temporarily, to relax. And that's all she needs. And then five hours later, it's probably going to go back because now she's sitting and typing again. But at least temporarily... So I think there's a lot of what you can do with older people might be just re-education in a sense, give them those uh, references of left heel, right, right arch, left posterior And when they're sitting, try to kind of sit to the side a little bit on the left. And I'm, I'm sure there's, there's, and I, that works with a lot of people no matter what, but at least you could always try stuff like that. Well, I don't know if you've gotten to that point in the PRI education, but left heel and right arch are big deals. Training and, and just the, the PRI stuff also. And I just want to say about the training, like, I remember someone asking me, do you ever do any normal stuff? (laughs) (laughs) And that's just to me, it just means that he's not seeing the big picture. If I know that all humans have a tendency to do this more than this, why would I not take take that into account in my training programs? I know you're going to want to go to your right side. You start lifting heavy weights, you're going to lose that zone of that position on the left. You're probably going to switch over to the right side at least a little bit. So just keep that into mind. You can always just bias your exercises, just a little bit by arm placement, by sensing your heel. There's a million things you can do just to get a little bit more of this than you would in normal life, because everything's gonna to wanna to put you back into this. So it's just a sense of understanding how the body exists in space and time and just adjusting appropriately. Just, that's pretty much all it is for training. You don't have to do special period exercises, just what are the concepts, what are, the, what are we looking at and then just bias the left side a little bit more than the right side, because everything else during the course of your day is gonna to wanna to bias the
0: right side rather than the left side. Is that, that good? Yeah. So, yeah, I think the, the one thing I kept thinking about when Neil when was talking, to, you did you do a question? Yeah, quick question.
1: Do it. What's the physiological explanation behind reference centers? Uh Is it center Three. pressure or? The I physiological? Of, I think there's yeah. a lot of different ways that you can think about it. Uh, in one sense, you're just your brain, in a sense, is almost unaware of that area of the body. You have just to bring awareness to it to feel it again, which will enable you to have the proper muscle activation. So you could try to do leg curls with your left hamstring. Like, I know we need left hamstrings, and yet it might not work because you haven't incorporated the ground,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we live on ground, and it's that pressure of your foot onto the ground and the ground pressing up into your foot
0: that's kind of telling you, giving your brain the proper feedback to when to activate muscles the, the way the way i think about it is uh, is 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 neural like I, i'm i'm admittedly very biased towards neurology and and that side of this whole thing right so uh, the way every time every every time the brain gets an input it, it, there's 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 some neurological connection to that input uh, you know it could be uh, you know, like if, if you, know, you guys walk in here, I think we gave this example the other day. Uh, if a guy comes well, just pounding through that door right now, wielding a chainsaw and a machete, uh, we're going to get pretty rattled, right? And because that's because we're going to see that. And, all, and, this, and this, is, this is what's interesting about that, is when that person comes through the door, uh, all we see is light, right? We see a collection of light. All, we, all that we sense Uh, from an auditory standpoint, is vibrating air molecules, right? That's all that we have seen. That is all that we have sensed, right? And then uh, because we have have lived, I've lived for 31 years, I have grown to know that a man wielding a chainsaw and a machete (laughs) equals bad, (laughs) right? So if that guy comes in, that collection of light goes into my head, and my brain goes, oh, I know what that collection of light is that is uh, a chainsaw and a machete and that look in his eye, yep, I also remember what that is from a time, you know, whatever, when I was a kid and yeah, and and now all of a sudden my, my reaction, the output that I, my body's going to produce is going to be extension, uh, fight or flight, holy hell, I'm so scared, right? So from the same standpoint, it is, uh, it is uh, the reference center side of it is the same thing, so when I feel my left heel when I sense that, what happens in my brain, right, what is my what is my brain, what is, when, when that input comes in, what's the context, what, what, what have I applied, what context have I applied to that sensation, uh, it, you know, and, and a lot of PRI, which is really cool, is the fact that you, you have very little because you've, stay, you've stayed off of that left heel for so long, you stayed off of that right arch for so long, so there's not a lot of context there, so there's some room to grow, uh, so when, when you sense that when I sense like so for example what, what makes like what makes like crappy weightlifting so scary is because uh, I might feel my left heel and now what am I what am I what am I associating my left heel with like a really sympathetic environment or something right as opposed to when I get my left heel I want to sense my left hamstring and my left adductor and all this stuff and I'm just creating I'm creating context and then it goes back to. Uh, you can't erase a memory. You can't erase context. You can only create a stronger association. Or, or con- and this might be stuff that you guys are coming across in your research, uh, and and it's, it's a pattern. Yeah, it's it's and now and now and now, and now better better. it's training, yeah. right? It's now it's let's let's train this pattern. Let's train this uh, this input. But that's really what it is. Like you're you're just you're, you're just training your body to uh, the, what the reference side of it. That's all you're trying to do is trying to uh, unlock a, a pattern. Unlock. Uh, neocortical context th- that's 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 what it means from a reference center standpoint does that make sense
2: yeah so according to pri is the optimal pattern locomotion is that what they're trying to get
1: at? yeah walk- gate walking and breathing yeah yeah and they'll say
0: so 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 neutral in, in 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 under the context of pri is not a like a good posture is not a single static position it is the ability to move in and out of positions. So like good posture, Transition. like this could be out, outstanding posture, right? But only if I can also come here and here and here and here and here. Like how many, how many different positions can you get yourself into? How limited are you, right? That is, the, that, is, that is what neutrality is. That is what good posture is under this umbrella. Does this sound good? Questions? So the next the next thing we'll talk about is uh, the infrasternal angle and I, I wanted to I wanted to address this on this day because there's a video about this on
1: Instagram Someone Really? Someone was bench pressing and talking. And someone said something about infra-sternal the infrasternal angle. angle.
0: I don't know, I didn't really So uh, you know it. I've noticed that it has gained uh, quite a bit of hype on the social media worlds. Yeah. Uh, and you know by, by all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. go, go like Worthy, worthy hype, because it is, it is, it is a good, it is a good test, right? And if you don't know, the infrasternal angle is uh, literally just that that the arrows point to. At the angle of your ribs, the way that, the way they're closed off, and, and the way you measure it is, you just literally go in and you take your thumbs and you just jam them up in there, right on that angle, and decide whether it's wide or narrow or just just unimpressive, just, just unnoticeable, normal, uh, (laughs) infrasternal angle. Now the, 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 let's, let's see what I got up here for this. Perfect. This is not actually PRI. Okay. Uh, it's PRI ish. Okay. It has, it has some, it has some bang for your buck. If, if I'm a personal trainer, a strength and conditioning coach, uh, I'm, I'm in on this because I don't have a lot of time, so the, the way my clinic is set up upstairs is I see everybody for two hours, right? And I, I go through about 50 some odd, 60 uh, assessments and I have uh, the luxury of seeing somebody for two hours that that David here uh, does not have, right? And so I can say, infrasternal angle, get out of here. Uh, we'll, we'll do it the proper way, right? We'll go by the book here. Uh, so because And the, the reason that this is not, uh, PRI is because this only tells you a piece of the puzzle, right? I think uh, in the training, strength conditioning world, the people that are using it, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's a bad exercise or a bad test to use. It is by all means a good test, but the reason that it is not PRI is because it only tells you a very small piece of the puzzle. If you're only using this, if you're using this in conjunction with 50 other tests, alright, but if you're using it in conjunction with, uh, conjunction with two other tests, what have you found, right? Like, I, I, if somebody has a wide infrasternal angle, what does that tell you? Anybody? Anybody know what that tells you? In the
1: inhalation pattern? Yeah,
0: okay, great. Well, what does that tell you about the foot?
1: Mm, that's where everything is so fascinating. Right?
0: And and, 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 and and now you can make some assumptions based off of, off of the foot, uh, or based on what you're seeing here, but you can't tell me what's going on with the foot. By looking at this right Fair, and, and that's why it that's why there, there no one test is gonna be like the king it's it's the it's the entire assessment process uh, so so but but and I, I want to emphasize that I would truly use this test if if I was in, in a setting where I did not have like when I worked in LA I did not have they did not give me two hours there but you got you got 10 minutes to make this happen my man and and okay well maybe it's time for an infrasternal angle right uh, so, so the, the, the reason, oh, oh, man, see, I get ahead of myself here. This is not pure eye, but it is practical, right? Uh, wide equals hyperinflation, like we just mentioned. Uh, the, a wide infrasternal angle means that you are hyperinflated, right? You have that suboptimal ZOA on both sides. You, have, you are in a state of inhalation, right? A narrow infrasternal angle, what does that mean? You know what? It honestly could. It honestly could. But so, uh, you know what? I think I have the video here. Uh... Oh, man. That audio is brutal. Hmm. Can everybody hear that or is that just not even close? Can you guys hear that down there? I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. read about it in right. a uh,
2: visceral and obstetric osteopathy by Carol that's shown, and it's looking at the relationship between the diaphragm and the lower rib cage in regards to making comparison to an umbrella. And so I have an umbrella, and I have an infrasternal angle, as you can see, measured right there. So, so this is going to be the lower rib cage, and this is where the, the uh, false ribs come up in me the sternum as representation. So if we consider the, the normal physiological activity of the diaphragm, as the diaphragm descends, because of its attachment on the lower rib cage, the ribs are going to swing up in a bucket handle action. So so I'm going to simulate it dropping down. So this is the diaphragm going down and lifting up and therefore you see this wide infrasternal angle. So that is a bucket handle up position as we would normally have when a breath in, and then as we breathe out, the bucket handle goes back down. Now, if I am hyperinflated, where I have a descended diaphragm, and and that would result in a wide angle presentation, so this might be a compensatory strategy that our patients may be using that limits their respiratory excursion and therefore limits mobility. Now, if I have a scenario where the diaphragm can continue to descend, so as the diaphragm goes down, it would normal bucket handle our our ribs up, give us this wide infrasternal angle, but there are scenarios. For instance, in the pelvis, if the pelvis is in a position to receive pressure, the diaphragm will continue to descend as it pushes the guts down. And so, if I continue to push the guts down, what happens is the diaphragm picks up leverage to pull in on itself, and now I have a narrow infrasternal angle. So that's how you get a narrow one. And so, depending on the presentation of this compensatory breathing strategy, this will help me determine what my interventions will be to restore this full respiratory excursion of the up and the down pump handle action of the rib cage so that I can get a normal respiratory excursion.
0: Questions with that? So so when we have a narrow infrasternal angle, uh, you know, it's this is this is why this is why it's quote not PRI, right? Because if you're only looking if you're ch- if you're saying like I'm going to do adduction drop an infrasternal angle for the upper body right adx drop for the lower uh, infrasternal angle for the top you know you do whatever you do the adx drop you get what you get uh, and then you do that and you get a narrow infrasternal angle and you're like oh, you know what he's not he's not really that inflated right so maybe he's all right in the upper body all you've in, all all that you may have indicated is that well really all that you've noticed is that his ribs are not Super externally rotated at that position. Uh, it could be in a position like Bill says, uh, where his pelvis is able to receive that pressure. Is that belly breathing? See, people get like really big bellies when they, when they, when they, uh, when they belly breathe. That's what you're looking at. You're looking at the the guts, the contents of your of your uh, upper body, your organs and stuff, just being pushed down. Your pelvis is able to re- receive that pressure, uh, as opposed to the pressure. Expanding where we wanted to in the rib cage, Uh, and that's that's why that's why it doesn't work alone, right? You're just not going to. Now, I do think you can make some pretty fair uh, assumptions, like like I said, from from a training standpoint, strength standpoint, okay. Like I'm with you, but you just have to know if you're going to do it, you have to know that it isn't by the book PRI, right? It isn't. It isn't. It doesn't tell you. It doesn't tell give you the entire answers. And and I think that that's where. The discussion on what happens when you when you're when you're a trainer and you don't you're not given these this this opportunity to have two hours with with somebody and to really sit down and and go through the entire assessment protocol. Uh, that's where you're saying, you know, okay, I gotta find the most bang for my buck here. I gotta I gotta do the infrasternal, I gotta do the adduction drop and and then and then maybe you you, you pick one or two other things that that is uh, fairly easy for you to get through. Does everyone
1: know what the adduction drop test is? It's like the standard check. Whether the pelvis is forward on the left side, the standard pattern. So the adduction drop, you're testing the left leg's ability to adduct. If it's fo- if the pelvis is forward on the left, which almost everybody will be in the beginning, the left leg will not adduct. So that's kind of like the standard first test that everyone does because you always have, want to restore the pelvis uh, position first. So adduction drop is always checking to see whether the pelvis is forward on the. If, if they're in the left AIC pattern, so if they're in that very normal. Left pelvis forward, everything oriented to the right position. That's so familiar to everybody, and that's the one test that almost everybody does, probably. Right. Maybe not correctly. I think yeah. I think in my <laughs> experience,
0: in my experience, that's that's, you know, most people. That's what they're doing. That is the adduction drop. I mean, that's the one they show at the courses all the time. And, uh, by all means, it's a great test. Perfect but reason. yeah. Uh, so if you if you do have somebody who ends up with a with a wider external angle, like the way I want to think about it is, if you have somebody who's in that heavy heavy state of upper body uh, inhalation, very externally rotated, uh, very extended, uh, what you want to do is you want to get their ribs moving. A lot of overhead style stuff, A ba- uh, lat hangs from a bar, uh, and what you're lo- looking to do is you're you're hanging off this bar. And then their ribs are going to really come up, and then they're going to exhale, and their ribs are going to start coming down via their abs, which is you want. You'll get a huge latch stretch, a huge pec stretch, and all. And like when I'm cueing that up, I'm saying just feel them moving, just just appreciate that your ribs. Are mobile now, and they're moving down with your, uh, with every breath that you're, with every exhalation that you take. And now the key is, if you really want to be a stud about it, you keep those ribs down as you inhale again. And now that is where you can get tricky because the reason that their ribs probably came up in the first place, you know, I don't know if this is the reason, but one of the big reasons here is that your rib cage, your thorax, gets gets restricted. It gets really tight, and there's nowhere for that air to go. That's why belly breathing isn't so great, because you're allowing your intercostals and your, you know, these muscles that are supposed to inhibit to allow your uh, rib cage to expand. uh, You're allowing that to get really tight and constricted, and you're not allowing that airflow to come that 360 degrees that we're always looking for. Airflow, you should be able to, I should be able to put my hand anywhere on your rib cage, and you, you should be able to expand my hand out with inhalation. That's, that's, that's good respiration. Uh, just belly breathing isn't quite, isn't getting it. I, I'm appreciating the fact that you're trying to get me away from my neck, but as soon as uh, I'm starting to play athletics, uh, when I take an inhalation, I've lost all control of my core. Uh, now that when I get out of breath, I'm gonna have to find more places to get that air so my neck will kick in, lift those upper ribs so that I can get uh, some, uh, some more space for that airflow to come in. And that's when you start getting neck stuff Start getting jaw stuff. Now you're playing with fire. Some real fire. That's that's where you get into a point where uh, you, you you got your, you got your work cut out for you. Okay, uh, Neil Neil's the uh, perfect uh, example and uh, and resource for what happens when it starts going above the above the neck. <laughs> it's right, not fun. Not fun. So not if fun. you got somebody with wide infrasternal angle, they need to exhale need to get your, get those ribs moving, okay? Uh, What's up? Would you cue like a
1: hard exhale with that or like kind of like a positive last time
0: exhale? You know what? It's so, you know, that's such a, it's a good question. Everybody's been so different uh, with with how they, some people can't, uh, it was last week where we had, we had a really hard time getting somebody to just exhale sitting here. And, and, like, I'm, I'm recently coming across a lot of people that are having a hard time, like, understanding what the exhale is. Even when, like, Hugh, where you say, okay, exhale all your air. And then they so like, keep going. And then more and more and more. I always say you should be spitting up air at the end. Like, literally, that's when I know you've gotten all your air out. Uh, so, uh, the one thing to consider is that when you give a firm exhale, that's sympathetic, yeah. right? That's a sympathetic output. And we're not necessarily looking for that. PRI isn't necessarily looking for that. Now, not not, not necessarily saying that that's going to end up being a bad thing, and it's like a situation for you where you're at Equinox, and you know somebody's going to come in who's not you know just looking to be able to move reciprocally well, uh, which I would imagine is the vast majority of people that come in there. Uh, you know, the, 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 you you might need to you might need to because personally, I think the exhale is more important than uh, like if, they, if that's the only way they're going to get the exhale. Let's start there. Right, like let's like let's let's be real people. We're, we're living in the real world here. Let's start there. Let's worry about the exhale, and then we'll we'll work our way to the long controlled exhale. Uh, so I, I I think ideally ideally you're cueing them to fog the glass, yeah. <sighs> right? It's not always going to be ideal, right? So I I think I think I think this is going to be very. I think you the same deal as what we we're talking about with uh, how how are you going to apply the or PRI or pure eye testing when you have you can only do four tests. Yeah. We're going to do the best with what we got here. We're going to play the cards, and if that's what it's got to be, that's that's great. Let's let's just we're just at a different starting point, right? I
1: would say fogging the glass was the first cue that really worked well yeah. for me, uh, but also when you have the hum, feel the vibration, say try to get your exhalation from there because a lot of people try to. Blow with their mouth yeah. and their neck. there's mm-hmm. not what you want. Um, helping them feel, having either your own hands if you're legally allowed to do that. Right? Uh, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. But uh, that's <laughs> why I so some sensual. Uh So I could place my hands on someone's ribs. So helping them exhale because they don't know what it feels like yeah. to exhale because no one ever. Ask someone where they feel their weight on their feet. What? what? Like you can ask them so many questions they've never considered in their life. But they don't know what an exhalation feels like because, well, they're, they are exhaling. Like, of course I'm breathing, I'm exhaling. But if you guide their ribs down, like, oh, that's what it's supposed to yeah. feel like. That helps a lot. Putting your hand underneath their lower back on the left side. You feel my hand? Yeah, okay, kind of squish my hand when you exhale. It gives, that's, that's reference. It gives them awareness of what they should be doing. That's why those references are so are so valuable, to create a new pattern. Or a, yeah, to create a new pattern for them. A new, a new reference, that's what it is. Just giving them guide, guide guide like the stars that's how they figured out where they were on the ocean and they didn't have all these amazing maps it locates you in a sense it gives that was you a deep. sense of where you need to be that was deep man <laughs> wow <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> well, oh my god just <laughs> on Sunday yeah <laughs> <laughs> what are those what are those the, the, the sextant what are the, what's the thing that changed navigation completely and that is it sextant? is it, that's what it they could figure out where they were and relate because of the stars and they have these angles and they can map themselves. It just gives you a sense of purpose and direction.
0: Right. So uh, and so so the next step to this this test would be that if you have a narrow infrasternal angle, you're reaching straight out, right? And the the idea behind that is like so you could potentially have a narrow or a narrowish infrasternal angle if you are upper body neutral, right? Uh, but I think we're in, for the sake of this situation, we are assuming that you are, are not are not neutral, right? So if, if, if in this situation they ha- they have a narrow ish or even like the ninety degree infrasternal angle. Uh, and, and their upper and their lower body, you, you know, you've done maybe some apical expansion. Uh, personally, I think the apical expansion, if you guys want a, t- a test, do you guys know what apical expansion is, the apical expansion test? is. Anybody not know what that is? Okay. So the apical expansion test is you, they're laying on their back, and uh, I'm going to have them inhale through their nose, and when they exhale, I'm going to take their ribs and I'm going to guide them down, right? I am their abs. I am going to take over for their abs. I'm going to push them down and see if when they inhale again, I can hold this down, and get air in on this side and then I'm going to flip it and I'm going to do it on the other side. I'm going to guide them down on the exhale, give them a little 2-3 second pause and then inhale. Can you breathe on one side? Can, can you exhale on one side and inhale on the other and do the same thing on both sides? Right. So In the, in the left ASC pattern, they'll say, I'm going to have a hard time holding you down on this left side. And get air here because I'm restricted here. But this is where all my air is going on the opposite side. I should be able to hold you down pretty easily here and get air in on this left side. Uh, So that's the able expansion. I think that's the I think that's the go-to. I I think if I was going to do a test for the upper body I'm doing apical expansion because I want to see I want to see where your air where's where's there room for your airflow to go because ultimately all of this stuff revolves around the manipulation of your airflow where where is there enough room on your right side to divert air away from your left side because if there is not enough room on your right side for air to go your left abs can never work because your body would prefer you to breathe than have a good ZOA so if, if, if there's no air here, the, those left abs will always give in when you're inhaling because it needs air to go. On the, on the flip side, uh, so if you have somebody who is like, I just can't hold that in while I'm inhaling, right? I can't maintain left abs as I inhale. Well, you got to look at their right side because that's probably really restricted. They're not getting any airflow. They have no, it's so constricted that they're not, there's not enough airflow for them to get air in on that right side. You open that chamber up. Now all of a sudden that left side will stay down like that because it's not a strength thing. It's a fact that I need to, it's a survival thing. I need to breathe. So when when we're talking about somebody who has a narrow infrasternal angle, we're talking about opening their chambers. When I say chambers, I'm thinking anterior. I'm thinking posterior mediastinum. That's a lot of reaching, reaching with the serratus to pull that rib cage back on the scapula to open up that posterior mediastinum. I'm thinking a little bit of lateral as well. Uh, and the, the one thing that I absolutely want to emphasize on the on the posterior mediastinum, when we're talking like right behind the the, the the shoulder blade the scat when you feel that you know it yeah you know it if the person's over there like mm, yeah I think I got it you don't have it, it I did not know I, I did not know what it was I, I was I was working an event uh, this past summer uh, and I was sitting on my massage table. I don't know how, don't know why I did this. I was sitting at this event, and I and I turned like this, maybe just trying to like crack my back or something. And I just took a breath, and my left posterior mediastinum expanded. That was posterior. Med- I had never felt that in my life. I was under the impression I was like, yeah, yeah no, I can feel it. It's there. It's there. No, 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 no. It is like plain as day, obvious when that happens. And that so, is a reference. Yeah.
1: Now he knows
0: exactly
1: that's what it should feel. Yeah. Like.
0: Exactly so yeah, so when I go through that exercise, I know what I'm looking for. I know when I have it and when I don't. And it's really drives me up the freaking wall because when you're doing it with somebody and you're trying to explain this to them, they know they just never know it until they know it. Like they'll they'll be like, I have it, I have it. And you're like, No, I just don't think you do. Because it feels like you have you know like the spot Massage therapist, where you everybody's just like, you know, it's just like, I can you just massage here for the full hour, like right here, this like this spot. Uh, it, it literally feels like that's the that is the exact spot that you're releasing, right? It is the like pinpointed. That's the yeah. spot. That's what I'm releasing. So when you ex- in uh, expand that posterior mediastinum, that's the spot that you're hitting. And you want to talk about when, when you go to a massage place. And next time you're given a Swedish massage and they're like, I just, I just, you know, I know because you do that every week, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, uh, and they're like, yeah, this is the spot. Can you just get in there? It's like, Hey, hold on a sec. Just just sit up for me and just reach, just reach. They'll pay, they'll tip you so handsomely, muscles, really think, like, but that's, that's the, the thing. Like that, like if they, if somebody's coming back every week, well, you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything. Right, that's, that's the answer. Open up their chambers. That's somebody who can't get air back there. So if they can't get air back there, the, the PRI gate uh, model is like, oh, yes, dude, hell yeah. It's like uh, one's down uh, and the other one needs to be, is that right? No. Uh, like one is, if you're down here, you're redirecting air back here. So in order to, uh, did I do that right?
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. What,
1: that feels wrong to me. Well, well if you're in right stands, so I just compare it? To, so it's down... Ah yeah
0: yeah 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 I see what I'm doing I see it. I it's screwed up I was I was just yeah you're right it's
1: open in right the front anterior right front anterior <laughs> anterior closed and left posterior you always have to look diagonals and front to back right I think it's just obvious
0: so so when the, when we're down here we we we're open in the back and we're just trying to restrict so this is that this is that you know I'm looking at it from like the upper view one is down and one is up right we're standing on our right leg and then we just need to flip it back here to go into that, into that left stance and the only way to, I can never get there. I can't get there unless I can get air back here. I just can't get there. It's just not, I don't do it. And we have kids. Okay. When I have a kid, I'm going to ask a doctor, say, when can I start like doing stuff with them? Like, (laughs) what do you mean? I'm like, like, Adduction drop. It's like, what do you? Do I need to call somebody? <laughs> uh, but like, I actually want to know if they're like, if you put your hand on a baby's back, I have no idea. I'm like I'm super curious. If you put your hand on a baby's back, does that thing gonna just expand a, like a lot?
1: No. There's a pretty good idea about that. There is. Yes, there is. I've it. Right, right. and, and they're they're talking about how, because he talks about how the last place to solidify or But no, yeah, they say they do it in the front. In the start. But what about the back? Well, they're they're talking about they, they, the babies don't have enough muscular opposition up in the rib cage, so they have to belly breathe. Okay. But we okay. shouldn't belly breathe my okay. babies. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't. that well? You could. I don't know belly breathe, but it, it seems like it just seems to be, be too here in the beginning. First thing I do when
0: my kid comes out, adduction drop right away. Make sure he's neutral. <laughs> if he's neutral, infrasternal angle, we're all set. We're in good shape. I'll then the boot baby. camp starts for the NBA. <laughs> 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 but so, uh, uh, narrow infrasternal angle. That's what we're looking for. Uh so okay, so
2: Yes. So for the yeah, the air back there. Yeah. The the on the left, yeah. Uh, that's where you get the so if someone has like the wing scapula, I think, that's due to lack of air coming
0: back? Yeah. So the wing scapula, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that. It, the wing scap is this the the misconception yeah, with the wing scap. Yeah. And we <laughs> you, we, you we did, did it this. We did summer, this, yeah. 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 So uh the wing scap the, the misconception is that uh the, the, the standard the standard fix for a winged scap is uh, eyes, wise, tees, low trap, rhomboids, right? Has that ever worked for no, anybody? No, Has a- I mean, how many times are we going to do tees, wise retractions, calling it fix for a for a, sh- a winged scap? All I and, and
1: next I yeah, to it does. It, like I don't understand. It doesn't, doesn't work at all,
0: right? So. Uh, when I so the, the 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 theory behind that is is that your scap has moved away from your rib cage. But what really happened? Well, dude, no, 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 you got it, man. You got it. So what really me. happened was that your rib cage moved away from the scap into that because because you went into that
1: assumption.
0: Uh, uh, um, nope, Uh sternal angle. That not. Yep. The infrasternal angle, the yeah. wide infrasternal angle, you've externally rotated your ribs and they are going away from your scap. I mean, your scap like never slow. moved. Your scap your so scap doesn't right. have a license to drive. It's it just stayed there.
1: there.
0: Right. And, and, and so, so that would mean that the low trap has nothing to do with this, with that, right? right? Uh, so all you have to do in order to move it back is just... Inhale into you exactly. You have to pull your ribs back, and you're gonna do that via serratus. If you ever go up onto a wall and just just stand up on a wall, I did this exact thing with Timmy. We 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 put our back on the wall, and you just feel it. Like everybody's got wing scaps, right? You just feel it. I put my I put my back on the wall, and you can feel it. All you do, get a little mini squat, and just reach, 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 reach. You, I don't care. You don't have to breathe. Don't have to do any of that crap. Just breathe, reach, 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 reach for like 10 seconds. Get back on there. It'll be it'll be it'll be flush, and that's because you've used your serratus to pull your rib cage back. That's all it is. So when we're talking wing scaps, your scap never moved away from your rib cage. Your rib cage moved away from your scap. That make sense. That was revolutionary when I yeah yeah.
1: Very serious. Why didn't anyone ever talk about that
0: before? Yeah, guys, you ever look at the low trap? That thing's got no juice to do anything. That you are not pulling it. You're not. You're not. I'm benching. <laughs> I don't bench that much anymore, but I'm benching like one eighty-five, and I'm I got a two and a half with the with to get my low trap. Are you kidding me? <laughs> two and a half. This a simple a simple uh, a simple uh, understanding of what, how fascia realigns along repetitive lines of stress will tell you that you have a no chance with a two and a half. Why with a retraction at the top to outdo this 185 that I'm that I'm pumping out for my Friday workouts? Was that you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Basically,
2: <laughs> <laughs> what I've been trying to do for the past three years is just
0: wrong. <laughs> we, we've all been there.
1: Yeah. So that so that so um, the idea of thoracic on, mm. T on S thoracic moving on the scapula rather than the scapula. I mean, it happens both ways at all times, but. Just the back into the scapula is what's going to fix shoulders and well, pretty much everything else. Rather than trying to move the scapula on the on the root cage. But again, it all it always it's always bad lateral. Well, everything happens as a feedback system. So it's, it's never like one on, just one thing. It's always everything's working together. So you always have to keep that in mind. Yes. Question about. Oh. You say ladies first? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, so when I'm doing that, sometimes I go into internal rotation of the shoulder, cheating. How do you prevent
2: doing that and really gain this raise to connect to the. Push against something, I suppose. Okay.
1: Well, yeah, like, I have all those people the with the
2: high breath, they all go into the upper traps. and the... Oh, that's hard.
1: So, yeah, you'll see that even when they're pushing. Like yeah. standing up, they'll do it. They can't I, I don't up. think they're grounded. That's one issue. If they're ungrounded, if they're not in pronation with their feet, they're going to be using a lot of neck. they don't have. ZOA already. You know, if they're still forward on the left, if their pelvis is rotated forward, they're still probably not going to turn off those armor traps. So I don't know. You can do it on a hands and knees. I think uh, a lot of people will still do this, but again, this is where you use your hands for references. Put my hand on their lower back and say, as you inhale, push into my hand with your rib cage or your spine. They should feel that. They'll do that. If you leave them to their own devices, this is what they'll probably if they're on their hands and knees you'll get them to round. Yeah. And just rounding them should really put them in the correct position to do what we need. Okay. But they'll still want to do this. Like they'll still either rock backwards with their body, or as they inhale, their rib cage will move up towards their head, which is obviously not what you want. So hands go to massage therapy school if you have to. You spend nine thousand dollars just to put your <laughs> hand <nine> on someone's, <laughs> on. someone's <laughs> back legally. But no, I again. So, just put your hand use as a reference so they have so they know where to be. Because they don't, they don't know what it feels like. They don't know what the hell you're talking about. Again, when, when I used to ask people, do you feel your hamstring? I'm like, yeah. And I say, and I start to get suspicious. And like, um, point to where you feel it. And they're pointing at their quad. I mean, most people don't know anything about sure. anything. So they have no clue what you're talking about. Wow. So but feel, All right. But, feel, <laughs> but when they feel something, it gives them a location, to, something to strive for, something purposeful. Otherwise, it's just like, I don't know what the hell you're so
0: talking you're about. So you're saying do it, but it depends on, like, maybe work on the feet, the hamstring, the breath, and then like, is there a well, I think, stand- I think I don't know if
1: standing is harder than hands and knees. It, to me, it would seem like it because there's so. less to yeah. like. The ground gives you more reference. Sure. So I would always, in order to round back and breathe and try to get this opened up, I would always start in the hands and knees. I think that's the easiest position because they have two things: they're pushing with their hands into the wall, their legs are on the I'm sorry, into, the wall, into the ground. Their legs are on the ground, and you're making them round.
2: What about wrist issues when
1: they can't do that? That's problematic. i uh, have well, done Yeah, fists. I've done fists also. Yeah, yeah, for myself,
0: I do that. Yeah. I think, I think uh, what I would know about that topic is that uh, most people, they're, not, they're just not going to feel the, the, the posterior medias time. Syndrome. It's going to be really hard for them to get. Uh, also, their serratus, like what is a serratus to most people, right? Uh, and and the, the, what I find, just like in the hard exhale, comment of like what's more important first. I would love nothing more than for them to feel their posterior medius dynamic expand. So I manipulate the system and I will have them lean off of something as opposed to reaching because now I'm like screwing with it. I've shortened the serratus. I pulled the rib cage back and now if I contract the same side abs, air is going to go back there. So now if I go to the doorway... And what you'll see is they'll say lean off the doorway and they'll hip hinge right because they don't have that they don't they can't get air there. So then you want them to squat it down so that their thorax is is mm-hmm. is right up in uh, like like what's it parallel to the wall. And then when I lean back, I've shortened the serratus so I've simulated I haven't reached but I've simulated the reach. And then I exhale, get these abs right here. Now this now I've diverted the air. I've diverted the air to the back. And if I can do this the right way. That's when that thing will open up. So for somebody who can't feel that, who's not doing too much upper trap, flip the script on them and have them lean off it. There are some pure eye door doorway stretches. Um, like I've done, I've even done a thing where I'll I'll put them in a one arm dumbbell row position, and we uh, make sure oh, push the TRX push. Are great. Yeah, TRX is awesome.
1: And, and just fall towards <laughs> the floor. You have a breathe. Yeah, you know, TRX traps can be used in a lot of different ways for this type of stuff.
0: So you just get them into that position like a nice neutrally PRI position. Uh, Ribs down. I'll press it. So I'll go one arm dumbbell row position. I'll press into the, you know, where you go, where you got like one knee up like this, one hands down and I'm rowing. I will, I'll go push in with that left hand that's down and I'll take like an 80 and I'll just hang. Right. I'm just literally just, all I'm doing is I'm just forcing my serratus to contract and then I'll just get those abs on that same side and now I've just. I got 80 pounds of pressure here, of 80 of reaching pressure, uh, which it isn't actually reach. Like, we're not really doing it here, but we're getting them to sense what it feels like to get there. And now they'll at least have that reference of what that feels like. It's really, it's like people who have people who have neck. Like, oh, I woke up, I had this kick in my, neck. I can't even turn to my right. Done. You could expand posterior mediastinum? Gone. And if you've ever had those kinks in your neck, if somebody can do that, pay them all of the money. Like that is like the king of getting somebody out of pain because that thing will last for five days it, and it's that it's, it's, I can't, I can't expand it. I'm so extent I can't expand anything and you're not going to get it with your serratus that you've never turned on, but you might be able to get it with an 80 pound dumbbell or leaning off of a, off of a door.
1: There's a million ways to do it. Once you actually know what you're doing, you, you realize you can do these things. Yeah, and that's just like Any made situation. up. Like I
0: just make that up, and it's just understanding the principles of what we're what we're doing, right? What do you got? Um,
1: another question In regards to the amount of thoracic rounding. Mm-hmm. It's too much thoracic rounding. Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Hundred percent. So I think when, when we're talking uh, when we're talking flexion, we're trying to produce flexion. I see it all the time where it's just like, boom! Like I've done it, right? And what I always see is they like, oh like around T8. They always it's like a it's like a mountain. There's a there's a peak, uh, there's a summit, and that's not what you're looking. What you're looking for a really nice general rounding of the back. So all I would say is exhale all your air, and what's that going to produce? This can produce posterior tilt of the pelvis. Ribs are coming down, and then I say reach, and that's it. Don't force anything. Get it from there. Exhale everything. Reach forward. Now you have now you have a nice generalized rounding as opposed to this like forced flexion into your spine when it's not even like you look at these people and it's almost like a straight C spine or a straight uh, lumbar spine and then it's like this like weird like small moment of flexion but nothing else is really flexed there's no like posterior tilt of the pelvis uh, th- that's that's I think that's where they were, were like, as, as pure, it just becomes, like, generalized and, like, thrown out to the masses, uh, you know, and we're just, you know, and, and I, again, uh, time and place, like, we're, we're doing the best we can, like, if you're working with a team setting, and I was speaking to somebody who works with baseball players the other day, and, and he said that, you know, he gets his guys for 45 minutes at a time. All right, like, fine. Like, we'll, we'll deal with that. But that's not what we're looking for. The real deal, the two-hour session, those 60 tests and all that stuff, really nice, consistent flexion throughout the spine.
1: Yeah, I always keep in mind it's respiration first so let exhalation guide the flexion because you just don't want to do this because they call it jamming your sternum down into your abdomen in a sense you want exhalation to guide the system into flexion that's really what you're trying to reestablish it's not like being flexion 24-7, it just means get back what you've lost over time you've lost a pattern, you have to relearn how to do a a movement that you have first of all no clue how to do it you just think that you breathe, you never put any thought into it. Now you're asking them, well, you know, flex your spine. Sure. Just But in my, if you can just always keep that in mind, the respiration is the key for the first spinal flexion through exhalation. That's why I was thinking, I was keeping my mind, let exhalation guide the spine into flexion and the ribs. And yep,
0: yep. And Question? Um, so it's kind
2: of keeping with the whole the, the scap thing and on a bigger picture is when you're doing specific styles of like training, like for or if you're doing like specific strength training stuff, right. and you're doing more like a low bar type squat, that's really kind of affecting that scapula. How does that compare to overall scapular health in the long run if you consistently do that?
0: You know, I don't think so that's that, something that I've yeah, been around with the low you bar. You know what? I, I, I think I think just when just you squat, you squat, right? I don't yeah. think I don't think I think like becoming a like a PRI lift you know it like, what's the goal like you you do jujitsu yeah. okay like you are trying to beat the hell out of people yeah. right so <laughs> you know like you got you got to get strong right like mm-hmm. football football training would be the one thing that would scare me a little bit because uh, you, there's no pri integration for a human freight train running yeah. you down right uh like I, like you have to like you watch I watched Clemson's football highlight video and all these they got these big whatever I've never even seen these machines in in real life and they're just, just like cranking the necks and and like, like, I'm like, from from, from a PRI standpoint, you're like, no, but from, from a football standpoint, it's like, okay, like the concussion's a big deal. Like, I don't think that actually prevents anything, but you know, you got to put on, you got to put on the show. I'm with that. Uh, you got to, you got to train for your sport. You got to train for a a refrigerator gentleman coming at full speed, trying to obliterate you into, you ever see the video? Oh my God, guys, please. If you haven't seen this, the video of the, uh, Oh, you know what? There's only one way to do this. <laughs> There's only one way to do this. This is this is this is what scares me about football training, right here, guys. Well like
2: it, you were saying, it's just like a trade-off. Yeah, football. you know what no, I mean. I'm like, you're doing your the best you can. So like, I, I I'm saying,
0: game. I'm saying squat. Like, yeah. I'm not even worried about yeah, it. Like, squat matter. as good as you can, and then, uh, and then, uh, and like, don't and tr- trust that you're in a good position. Mm-hmm. Do, put yourself in a good position to uh, succeed.
2: Yeah.
0: Who has seen this? You guys are in for the freaking best moment of your life.
2: Yeah, I would work on that. Yeah, so Mr. So, so Mr. <laughs> Henderson, I'm going
0: to want you to blow it, take this balloon and blow this up and really, really reach. And that, like that's the guy, yeah. that, you know, you've got you to gotta prepare for, for freaking <laughs> Henderson over here who's about to light you on fire, right? Uh, so, so I think from your perspective, it's like, like, uh, uh, like me personally, I don't care. Yeah. Swap. Right, do your thing. Uh do, you know, what in your training, like I'm saying, like get a lot of obliques, get a lot of hamstrings, put yourself in a good position, you know, train the right muscles, train the right stuff, but squat. You know, I, I think the people I, this, this this is the one that gets me. The the uh the, the full reach before the deadlift and that full exhale. Have you guys seen this? People walk up to the trap bar and they're like and then they trap bar deadlift four thirty-five, right? And I'm like Dude, why are you trying to get parasympathetic before the most sympathetic thing <laughs> yeah. ever, right? Do you, as, soon as, as soon as you stop out of that motion, that's gone, mm-hmm. right? You're standing, you're, your, body, your body is preparing for 400 pounds on a, on a trap bar deadlift. You're not getting anywhere with that. Your brain is like, ah, I see what you're doing here, buddy. No chance. Mm-hmm. No chance, right? Because it's survival. So, so for you, I'm saying just put yourself on, train the right stuff. Uh, you know, if you have like an injury, something that's nagging, go with that. But I, I'm not. I'm, yeah, I, you know, but you can do like you said, like other things to help supplement
2: yeah. what else is going on, exactly. like the, the abs, exactly, the, you know, yeah. exactly, stuff like that. Yeah. and cool downs,
0: yeah, dry
1: yeah. stuff anywhere in the
0: exactly, rescue, I mean, whatever you want. to do. Exactly. Yeah. All right, guys, take a gander up this this right this here. And just so, just drink that in for a second. This is this is my work right here. Okay. <laughs> this is this is actually the last game before I got. <laughs> so uh, uh, we, we might know why. But uh, so so this is a world Now and, and I don't intend to make any of these guys, you know, seem out like they're they're not hard workers because actually each and every single one of them are pretty hard workers. But this is this is these are these are when I was at these were all guys on the Lakers, right? So these are NBA players. So the guy far left uh, on his cellular device, that's uh, Thomas Robinson, uh, and he is uh, all time Kansas great, like he was like runner up, player of the year, number two pick in the draft. Didn't really play pan out too well in the NBA, but you know, great guy. Did, you know, freak athlete, right? Right here at the bottom, this is Brand Ingram, number two pick in the draft. Uh, he's actually he's actually having a pretty nice year. He was pretty active in the trade talks this week for the Lakers. It's gonna make him feel great. Yeah, <laughs> just, just super hyped. Uh, <laughs> but you know, what? I, I, I you know, actually won't go there, so 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 yeah, that's he's actually probably working the harvest in this picture. Uh, right up in the middle, that's uh, Tyler Ennis, Syracuse. Great. Uh, he he's uh, as you can see, he's. he's Paying great mind to rolling out his uh, right glute in that in that picture, he's, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's looking up the exact instructions on how to do it. Uh, if you guys take a gander at my guy in the, all the way back, uh, Julius Randall, I, I'm, I'm not sure he's not aware that he's not currently in his bed, uh, and, and he's you know get, getting out of business. And this is this is our last game of the season actually. Here we're in Gold State at the hotel hotel weight room. Uh, actually, the hardworking guy in this picture is. The gentleman on the shoulder press machine, <laughs> uh, and uh, and then you got on the far right. You got uh, uh, Larry Nance Jr. is on the Cleveland Cavaliers right now, and uh, he uh, he's, he's probably I, I'm sure he's looking up, you know, how to uh, find good footwear for his for his workout, um, or have to properly internally rotate his legs for 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 this position. Uh, and and my, my point here is, and this is this is a huge huge disconnect that I see in the world that we live. In. And uh, these are these are the guys who quote made it, right? And these are the guys who, uh, you know, in my whole life I remember being at basketball camps and everybody preaching to me that that you have to work as hard as you possibly can to to get to this level, right? And so I remember I remember my coach just always saying like, if you want to if you want to make the NBA, you want to go to the beach with your friends, you won't make it. You want to go to the movies with your friends, you won't make it. And I remember, I was like, I remember when my friends would call me up, hey, Sean, we're going to the beach. And I was like, yes, this is my moment, right? Like, nope, sorry, guys. And then I go out and I work out my basketball, right? And like, I'm not yo, I'm not joking. Not that, you know, I'm, I'm not joking. I was like, this is it. This, this is it. This is like the peer pressure they talked about in the D.A.R.E. program. And yeah. uh, <laughs> and uh, like I was, I really thought this was my moment. And I was, and I worked, I worked, I worked, I worked. I put so much effort into becoming a good basketball player. So I was like, I must. I'm, <laughs> I said this last week. Uh. Uh, every every, 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 every uh, uh, birthday, you get your birthday cake, you turn time to blow out your candles, right? Make a wish. But don't tell anybody because it won't come true. And I always wished, every single, every single birthday, my entire life, every single time I picked up a dandelion in the summer and I had to make a wish. I'm not joking you. Every single time, every single time, every single time throw a penny in the mountain, mall water fountain, every single time, I wish to make the NBA. I wish to make the NBA. My career goes on. I ended up being a strength and conditioning coach in the NBA, and my first thought was, damn it, I should have been more specific, right? <laughs> I, like, I, I made it, but not as a player. And what I started to see, and over my time as, as, a, as a coach at that level, was that this these guys, guys like that, those are the guys who are getting buckets, guys dropping 40 a game, right? And the guys who were in the weight room all the time, working really, 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 really hard, these are the guys who were getting cut, traded. Uh, we had a guy traded mid-flight when I was with the Lakers. We were on the plane and he got traded in the middle of the flight. That was, that was awkward. <laughs> and, uh, and like, the, the, like and that guy was a huge, like, great hard worker. And, and it's like, well, everything that we're preaching, is that really the way to do it? Like, is, that, is that actually how you make it to the top? Is that how you become an elite athlete? That Tim Tebow thing of uh, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Really? Right, I once uh, one of the great uh, fortunes I had uh, at, when I was uh, working at Quinnipiac. I don't know if you ever had this opportunity, uh, but Ray Allen used to come down all the time. Were you ever there when that? No. Yeah. So uh, our coach, our coach was uh, good friends with Ray, and he would come down and like train for a training camp with us. And this is like the best three you well, for now uh, of all time. And uh, and he would come down, and I'm like in awe. Like you say, we walked into him. I walked into the locker room, he was sitting there. I remember, I literally remember, he had golden earphones, and I was like, oh. that's so Sick, and I walked in there, and I was like, "Hey, man, what's up? I'm Sean," and he's just like, "Hey, what's up? I'm Ray," and I was like, "What's that? I didn't catch that,"
2: <laughs> and uh,
0: and and so like I'm like in awe, like watching him go bad. And at the end, he would always give us like a little speech, you know, whatever. And uh, I remember asking him one time, I was like, "Ray, how many shots a day you shoot?" Right? And he's like, "I was like, get ready." I was like, "You, this guy, this guy at, at this moment, he's made more three-point shots than anybody in the history of the NBA in the history of basketball." Right? And he was just like, "None," and I was like what do you mean? None? Like I was expecting him to say like a thousand. And uh, he's like, dude, I'm like 34. I've been playing basketball since I was six. I know how to shoot a basketball. (laughs) I just get back, get my shot, get my stroke back a little bit before the game or a little bit before training camp and I'm good to go. And I'm like, like mind blown. Right. And I'm I'm the guy who's like, I shoot 400 a day. I need to make it 600. I need to make it 700 because that's how I'm going to make it. But in reality, what we're, what we're looking at, what we're looking at in this picture, right, are freaks of nature right we're looking at people who are abs- if you if you adduction drop these guys they're going to be pretty clean right and that's because there is a huge neurological component to all of this you can't like uh, the people that really work hard myself if you had put me on the table in college i'd be pec out the ass right i'd be bilaterally extended bilaterally extended up top bilaterally extended down below and that's because i wanted it so bad right yeah, I mean, these guys like it, but they don't, they don't care that much, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's, they don't they care, but, you know, I don't want to say that they don't care as much. But, like, they don't care as much as I did. Like, I was hell-bent on becoming an NBA player, and my body, my skills paid the price because uh, reference centers of people in the stands, it was such a big deal to me that when that reference came into my head, I'm no longer neutral, right? I no longer – and position is power, Right? position is function. If I, if my body is in a good position, well, I used to, uh, go play basketball at uh, fitness, uh rec, uh, rec, center in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I would do some PRI when I was first learning it. And when I would do it like right afterwards, I could dunk so much better, like literally like way better. Like I felt like I'm sure it wasn't, but I felt like I could dunk with my teeth, right at the time. And that was because my position is power and I made that right. I created that. That situation, uh, and 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 when you when you become neurologically in a different spot, you can't you can no longer perform at that at the highest of levels. So when we talk about training, like that's why this PRI stuff is a big deal because it's going to cover that neurological side. Uh, a lot of these other modalities are just talking about, you know, I have a lack of dorsiflexion and I need to force feed dorsiflexion down my throat. Right, I'm going to stand up against a wall and I'm going to jam my knee into that wall as many times as I possibly can until my body says, enough, screw your ligaments, now you got dorsiflexion if you really want it so bad. That guy right there in the white Adidas on the far right, the slam dunk contest participant, the six foot seven guy who can jump uh, completely out of the gym, zero degrees of dorsiflexion. Zero. Vince Carter, zero degrees of dorsiflexion. And I'm supposed to tell my guys to get dorsiflexion. Like we're we're supposed to like uh, like say like that's bad. That guy's not doing it well. Vince Carter's like 42. He's never been hurt like ever. And and I'm supposed to say that he's 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 at risk for injury, right? Like that's just the objectivity of all of this stuff. And it's like seeing the fact that the neurological component of this is much greater than the fact that he doesn't have uh, ankle dorsiflexion. Right? It's, it's seeing the entire picture. And then when we're talking about like working with athletes and we're talking about uh, getting somebody, uh, you know, I think uh, I think it changes the mantra of what strength and conditioning and training really is. Like if we're trying to get somebody to their genetic potential. Like you have to pay way more mind to their neurological system than you have to pay mind to their uh, mental toughness on a, on, a, on a deadlift or something. Right? And that, and that involves like if, if you work with young kids, that involves at that age, that involves uh, getting them to be able to expand their posterior mediastinum when they're young, because uh, the further away you go from that reference centers, the further away, the more connections that you build away from that. When they come see me now, I got now I got a problem, right? Now I have to I have to undo all of your work because uh, you spent so much time working on mental toughness and that side of it, but you paid no mind to the fact that movement is performance. Movement is, uh, their position is their power. And, you know, maybe you have a mentally tough athlete, but now he can't jump. Or now he can't, he can't run fast because he's got no position. So there has to be, you, I, think, I think that's where strength and conditioning. Uh, if I go to, if I come back here. You know, I, I I think it's important to understand that I, this is from a real world example standpoint. Like, I didn't make this up, and and what I think to be as a strength and conditioning coach, I think the weight room is badly misunderstood from that perspective. I think if you don't understand this, if you don't understand the way that this rib cage is moving, if you don't know how it's supposed to move and how you can restore it, and same thing with your hips, I think you are I think you are trotting down the wrong path. I think you are trotting down uh, the the path of of like your your if this is their genetic ceiling you'll cap them right here because you don't you'll never let them get that a function now of course that we, we live in the real world and somebody comes in to you and maybe they don't get, maybe they don't care maybe they only care about having a six pack okay that's fine like but you know that now you know that they you've left that on the table and hopefully now they know that they've left that on the table and i think like that is that is like my mission as a uh, performance like consultant is that performance is like that's high level performance. Those are the, the best athletes in the world, right? Best athletes in the world and that's their warm up. And and strength coach, good job. And I mean and I mean it. Not just not just patting their ego. Nice work. And and I'm always careful of what they say to them. I don't ever talk about basketball or whatever their sport is because what's up here can change. them. One of the examples I like to give is if I were to have somebody We'll take a massage table out here. Nice, quiet environment. We've got a lot of nice people around here. Pretty comfortable. If I were to take this massage table out and adduction drop you right here and give you your PRI analysis, pretty, pretty, you know, I mean, there's some things, but there's a good chance you'd be close to neutral or as close to neutral as you're going to get, right? If I take that same massage table, stick it out in the middle of Broadway right now, 32 degrees, taxis whizzing by, people flipping you off, homeless people coming up asking for change. Uh... You're probably not going to be neutral because you're going to be rattled, right? So, from a neurological perspective, you, where 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 are the people that you work with, right? Are 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 the people when they come to see you, are they neurologically right here for their adduction drop, or neurologically in the middle of Broadway? And that matters. That ma- Their environment matters. Uh, so so when you're when you're around somebody, uh, we are literally. You have to literally create that environment. You have to literally. Uh, Include everything, everything in the environment or like what it looks like. You have to appeal to their senses. How, what does it look like? What does it, what does it sound like? What music is on in the gym? Uh, for me, I need to have Kenny Chesney on when I lift. I have to have it. Otherwise, I don't like it. And I will have more access to my hamstrings when the Ches is playing, right? <laughs> if, if I have to listen to Migos, my hamstrings go bye-bye. And uh, you, you can't have that, right? Like, that's, that's, that's bad performance. Now, uh, you're at Equinox. Well, you actually might control the music, do you? No, Okay. So, so you don't have access to it. And, 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 and in that situation, you're like, whatever. Like, I understand it. Like, I get it. It's, it, it's not ideal, but I know it. I know that that's uh, produced. So maybe I need to be heavier on the visual side of it. Understand that the visual component is a really big part of it, much bigger than the auditory. So maybe I, I drive that into it a little bit more. Uh, somebody, you're trying to get deadlifts in. We talked about this last week. Uh, if you're trying to get deadlifts in, they can't find their hamstrings, move them over to the window. Because natural light, uh, being able to see an expansive environment is a, is, a, is really helpful in that situation. All of a sudden, maybe they'll start feeling their hamstrings. How the gym smells uh, is is a is you know is a really big deal. Um, how you smell is a really big deal. Do you have coffee breath? That plays a role. Do you have you not shout? Did you just work out? That plays a role. Uh, and I think like creating that entire environment is such a monster monster deal. Uh, and I always say. When I've worked in baseball, the way that I knew that I was doing a good job is that during a rain out, a rain delay, the guys would hang out in the weight room. And that's when I knew I created a nice environment. And I knew that whenever it was time to get some work done in there, it wasn't like a place that they just did not want to be. It was not like they had access that they ordinarily wouldn't have access if if I was just, you know, one of the... Meathead strength coach who's just screaming and barking down the throat, and I'm a dictator, and this is how it's going to be. I was very lax, very carefree. Sure, you want to lift now? Fine. No, you don't want to lift? Oh, like in baseball, uh, drinking a beer is a pretty big deal, right? So if you want to drink beer, just put it in a different cup. Okay, I just don't want to see it. And and that is that is creating a good environment. And I think I think uh, I think that gets misinterpreted in PRI, right? If I if I if I did your adduction drop out in the middle of the Broadway. My results tell me that you need hamstrings. Do you need hamstrings, or do you need to just come inside because it's freezing, right? What do you got? With the music is it just something that puts
2: you in a happy place or gets you amped? Like
0: that? Well, it depends. It depends on what you're going for. So, so for example, uh, man, uh, this is this is what I suggested you guys. I'm gonna put this video in the uh, I'm gonna put this video in the in the Slack channel. Do you guys all sign up for that? That I sent an email out. Did everybody get that email? Yeah. Okay. Um, if you haven't already, I sent an email out uh, yesterday. If you guys, if, I, if some of you guys, I already had you on the list, so I just transferred you over. You might not have, you might not have gotten an email about it. I just put you in it. Uh, but the Slack channel on Slack, I'll, I'll include this video. When you, when you go, is, oh, hold it. This is even better. Is, who's walking home? Anybody? Anybody? Give me a subway? Anything? Oh, subway. oh, okay, great. Okay. When you leave here. If you have Apple Music or anything, type in, go on to Apple Music and type in Time by Hans Zimmer. Okay? You will thank me later. You will literally feel like you're walking around the city and you're Batman. It literally feels like you're Batman when you walk around the city to this. Like, that's what I, that would be my suggestion. Everybody, when you leave here, go walk that way. It's like Wall Street's right over there. It's like these cool buildings and stuff. And just like walk slowly and just listen to this. I'm not joking, you're going to feel like you're Batman. I've compiled these lists on my, on my Apple Music that show, uh, that have different emotions, right? So I'll just, we'll just bring it up here actually. Uh, if you come to my Apple Music, and if you have Apple Music, you can actually come in and I think you can like look people's stuff up. Uh, so I have all of these score playlists. Um, so if I want to get neutral, Come on, right? <laughs> home Alone, right? Because Christmas is the best, makes me neutral. Uh, it just it's a, Mike's reference center to that context. Christmas presents, family, chocolate chip cookies, love it. Let's do it. That's what I remember when I think of Home Alone, right? My childhood, all that stuff.
1: Unless you hate Christmas. It meant- and but so <laughs> because but you hate your family. But and, that's and- that's a real <laughs> so, freaking thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I smell and sound are the two things that that uh, strengthen, solidify memories more than anything else, I believe. Mm-hmm. So put the wrong song, I'm, there, until I let go of a lot of things in my early to mid-thirties, there were songs I could not listen to. Like there's a lot of people, I teach dancing, and it's Latin, so Latin music, and I don't really know what they're saying it's songs. And I'll sometimes have a student be like, I can't listen to this, can you turn it off? Because so I, I don't know what the words are, I just yeah. dance to the beat and everything. But you put the wrong song on someone, and they don't. They might not even know why, but they're just putting out in a depressed mood, like, now I, because I, it's interesting, mm-hmm. I can listen, to the same songs I couldn't listen to, because I associated with troubling times in my, you know, young teenage years, I can now listen to joyfully, but I had to let go of emotional baggage that I was holding onto in order to enjoy the, these songs, so I have a list of what I call transcendental music, that just, to me, just lift my emotions to such a degree that, like, it'll make me cry sometimes, and I, I don't ask why, I Just it is what it is. But it's absolutely fascinating what music can do to someone, either in a good way or a bad way. Because if you put the wrong song out for someone... I remember in high school, this horrible, I would walk 5,000 miles song. <laughs> oh, yeah. My God. I know this is the early 90s. And, and that was the last, last song I heard before I had to take a math exam. And I was horrible at math to begin with. Right. But I could not get that song out of my head for the life of me. And it's just got this horrible, repetitive, I would walk 500 miles out. And then I could not think of anything during that that math exam. So music is a huge deal. Right. Like I wouldn't go with Kenny Chesney, I would go with Bonnie. If I wanted ballads, I would go with Joby
2: because you know he's more of my time look as long as it's a slow I jam i can right? deadlift i can slip i go higher <laughs> than yeah yeah you, you do <laughs> an
0: but and that's and i think it that's becomes, the importance of yeah. the individuality of it right it's understanding that that what's what's like he puts slipknot on if he if he were to come lift with me and he was like yo, let's put on slipknot i have a friend who likes to listen to hardcore like like that like yeah. that kind of music right and every time like we, we yeah and we have a playlist whenever we're we're, we're going <laughs> in, in for a a, a tough lift and every time his songs come on I'm just like, oh god, right? That has a reaction, like it ha- and it may not have a huge reaction, but it and it's going to vary from person to person. That he gets hyped when that comes on, I don't, and so it's very individualized. It's very different. Uh, if you're talking about, if you, if you, if you, yeah. yeah, if you're, you're in a you're situation loud, where you have a right. one-on-one, like, like happy. having an understanding of what they like is really, really useful because now you'll understand, uh, you'll understand, you'll have a, you'll have another anchor. This is it's like another hamstring. It's like a small little hamstring that you can help pull them back into their position. Like it really, really is. And that's just understanding the neurological component of it. And if you want to go even further with it, you know, we got people here in New York City and, uh, you know, if you say, say, even in my building, I live on the 14th floor in Hoboken, and I can hear like sirens and stuff throughout the night. And it comes in and, and what, what have we what is, the, what is our reference to a siren? Danger. Right, so every time we hear ding- every time we hear siren, our brain just has a little reaction to the fact that we are we in danger right now so if, if you're, you're sleeping, in a, yeah you 're in a spot where you can those. hear that like that yeah, is going to contribute to the fact that you can 't sleep or the f- contribute to the fact that you are a sympathetically driven person like that is that is the entire scope of of what we 're dealing with here, and that 's why the PRI side of it is so important from a performance standpoint because if you 're not looking at that, you are limiting the genetic potential of them because that all plays a role. You can't just generalize everything, right?
1: I would say one other thing. (laughs) Have you ever heard there's a book called The Highly Sensitive People, or The Highly Sensitive Person? These are people who have overactive nervous system. I'm one of them. Uh, But it's only like 10 to 20% of the population, so most people are like, they don't understand why I don't like to be in bright lights or around loud noise. And I didn't either, I just knew I didn't like it. And that some people have highly reactive nervous systems. It doesn't mean they're over-anxious, they're not. They might seem more reserved but on the inside they're freaking like completely tense. So putting them in the wrong environment, and just because no one would think that I'm a highly sensitive person if you just met me normally. So you can't judge, uh, you might be an athlete. That person might be a highly sensitive person just because they look a certain way and they can jump a certain height and run. Don't assume that they're this extroverted, you know, outgoing, excitable person. They might not be. Like I have to wear, them. if I'm teaching a, a, a dance class for two two hours, I'm putting on an act. I'm being energetic because that's what it demands. But I go home, I'm, I, the classical music goes on, I read my philosophy books, and I try to go to sleep. Like you have, a lot of people have to fit into environments that they're not really comfortable with. And that's why it is so fast, and the neurological aspect is, is absolutely huge. Like you can't judge someone by what they look like and just because they're big and muscular assume that, oh, they must love this type of activity. They might not. I, right. I think what, a lot of those guys probably want them to have to worry about as little as possible.
0: That's exactly what so we So don't mean, be like, oh,
1: you know, you're not testing cleanly. Let's get more. And now they're thinking, oh, shit, is this going to hold me back? Yeah. Now they've got something on their mind. Like for a lot of people, generally in life, you want to worry about as little as possible so you can actually not be too self-aware. Right. Like on the basketball court, not be, just lose yourself in the game, get in the flow. The more you ask people to worry about stuff, the worse it is. I think some people are in pain because they're worried that they have a big issue. And then they realize right. oh, you just can't ex- exhale, and they relax. So a lot of pain is tension based because they're holding. They're they're fearful. That's
0: right. Uh, so uh, and then just just really quick carrying off of that is this is where PRI comes in is because it is the GOAT, greatest of all time of tr- unlocking triplanar mo- uh, movement. Uh, like we talked about with some of these other things is we're just most modalities are just forcing movement down your throat and they're not really addressing the fact of why you have a why you have a movement restriction Uh, they're just just looking at it and just going right at the symptom as opposed to the cause Uh, uh, they have the best demonstration of what our biological requirements are to beautiful movement and that is when we talk about athletes people who can perform at the highest level is the people that can maintain maintain uh, that movement the best Uh, and and the most in my experience uh, in seven plus years of working with professional athletes the people who are the most explosive, the the pitchers who can throw the hardest, the guys who can jump the highest. If you test them out, PRI, they are usually the cleanest. They are not the people that are PEC. They are not the people that are very limited, very tight people. Very loose, uh, they're. They add up to the table, everything goes really, really smoothly when you do that. And, and it's, it's not because they do their 90-90s and their, ad, and their adductor pullbacks, it's because from a neurological standpoint, whatever has happened in their childhood, whatever currently happens, uh, you know, I think the, my favorite example is always professional athletes blowing their money. How many people have heard it? There's an ESPN 30 oh, yeah. for 30 on it, right? And my my response to right. that is, yeah. uh, there is no off switch, right? If you don't care, if you don't care about shooting free throws and you know, and crunch time in front of 20,000 people, you don't care about how much money you're making rain at the club, right? There's no off switch. You are who you are. That's why they test clean because neurologically they're just free spirits, right? Uh, I, I think I think. That's the appreciation. Like you, 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 I think it's. I think it's wrong for people to want you to be an assassin on the court, but be a conservative investor, right? <laughs> like I think that's. I think that's. I, I don't think you're appreciating. You know the the reality of of what of what what you're asking. If I know my, my brother was, was a pitcher for a professional pitcher, pitched for the Boston Red Sox. and I remember watching a pitch at Fenway Park. Uh, he comes in the game. First batter he's going to face is Mike Trout, right? And I'm like, if that's me. That's me on the court, on the on the mound. That ball's going into the dugout. Okay, it's going up into the stands. I'm th- I might be throwing it out of Fenway Park because I, I'm so freaking nervous. I may not be able to move. I may just have to call the catcher out, intentionally walk him or something. Like I can't. I can't move. But my brother's like hitting the glove, and I'm like, how do you do that, man? Like, and that's just because uh, when 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 we're in uh, when he's in that position, like he's not like th- th- My mindset is, is the normal person. My brother's an idiot right like he's just a, he's just like a free guy like oh let's go Mike Trout's up sweet you know like I'm just like ah and that's the norm that's the normal that person the, right that's the interesting thing yeah that
1: is actually normal so people who I don't remember what was it oh it was one of the first neurology books I ever read but he was saying the author was saying oh by Daniel Goleman uh, social intelligence or emotional intelligence? emotional intelligence yeah and it was like mind-blowing when I read it so I realize I wasn't crazy because most people do ruminate about their, their social lives in, when they're not when their mind's not occupied by something, because I thought, I was you know, we all think we're the only one that does this. Of course, you're not. Everyone does it. And then it's like, oh, everyone does it. But he said, you know, people who have a hard time functioning in front of groups or taking, you know, going up to the chalkboard in front of a class, that's the normal. Right. That's normal. People right. who struggle with that, that's normal. The people who don't struggle with that, that's not normal. And that enables them to do stuff that most right. of us... Can't do. It's like maintaining composure under you know under extreme duress. That's not normal. People that can do that, we all admire them in a sense, but they're the not normal people. So everything that I was struggling with about myself, I can't do this. I can't do this. There's too much self-awareness. I can't. I I fold under pressure, whatever it is. I realized, oh, that's actually the norm. But you don't think of it like that because we don't. We compare ourselves to people who. You know, can do it. Yep. So your brother, like, your brother completely not. My brother's a freak. He's a freak. Yeah,
0: and and he's a freak on multiple levels. He throws very well. You know, like, <laughs> but you never know. But that's how you. But that's. I mean, that's realistically, that's how people. That's how you make it to that level. Like, you 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 have to have that free spirit, that not caring, and it's and and, and it's those those things that your parents, uh, that your coaches are saying, where it's like you have to want it so bad if you want to make it to the NBA.
2: Just crazy. Who are you? Yeah.
0: What what example are you using? Right? You want to? If people want. To, I hear this a lot. Oh, Kobe, right? Well, Kobe. Oh, that's who you're gonna bring up. Kobe Bryant, one of the greatest players of all time. You got one. You got one. Okay. How many else you got? Michael Jordan. You know, like like the majority of these guys. This is what it is, and it's not bad. I test my brother out. I, I never touched my brother. I didn't even know P R I for a while. And I test my brother out. It's clean as a whistle. You know. I'd like to think that I'm great, and and that our off-season workouts are as good as it comes. But I I'm smart enough to know that it's I'm, they're not. There's nothing special about it. It's because he goes up there and we're just like hanging out. So like, yeah, let's do these uh, RFEs, you know. And 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 we you know the cross behind lunge. We used to call them bowlers lunges, and now we call them bowlers lunges because he doesn't know how to read. And it's like <laughs> and it's like it's funny. Ha ha ha. We're laughing. We're we're working out, and he just it is what it is. And then he goes home and he. Plays Fortnite and it's and you know and like that that that's 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 how it goes like that's how you like we want to talk about that's high loose. level athletics yeah you want to talk about performing in front of twenty thousand people like you better have a you better your reference centers better be on freaking point because if you're nervous out there good luck right that's where you want to see people get exposed stand in front of twenty thousand people and try to do a fine motor movement right like and that's and this is like that's that's like my ultimate mission right now is to show people that high-level athletics is not what anybody thinks it is. Like, the best players in the world, not even close. You hard-working guys, like, and I don't want to say that they're not hard-working because these guys, these guys absolutely get their work done. But neurologically, freaks. Different different, different kind of dudes, you know? This is just, it just is what it is, and I, and I just want people to be able to appreciate that. Uh, from a neurological standpoint, if you do want to learn more, next week I'm actually doing a this on the neurology of an athlete. Uh, we'll, we'll go all sorts of different places there, so if that interests you, you just go to the same website that you guys signed up with uh, to, to get here. Same way, put your name, email address in, good to go. And at that website right there, I have a full, full-fledged neuro course about all of this. Uh, so with that said, let's take a break, and then uh, Neil's gonna bring us home. We'll, we'll come back in, uh, let's say it's 12, 13 right now. Let's come back at, we'll go 12 15 minutes.
1: Thank you. Shake it off, shake it off.